0: Let's bow before Him. Heavenly Father, in the beginning was the Word, the eternal Son of God. He became flesh. He dwelt among us. He brought your truth with Him. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that truth that He spoke, and the truth that other chosen men of God have spoken, has been written down. And you preserved it for us, and we thank you for it. And now, Father, we're going to open this book that contains all of the truth that you've revealed in this way. Help us to understand the portion that we look at this morning, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for the sake of his church. Amen. Now, last week, though it was the first Sunday of the new year, we completed a short year-ending series of messages that we had called Words to Live By. Key Bible words. There was 11 of them that we talked about over the last weeks of 2022. We said that those words could captivate our minds all by themselves, one by one by one. They could captivate our minds whenever we think about them. They could stir our hearts and they can strengthen our resolve as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I trust that each one of those words, you've got down, you save your little sheets, and and you know those 11, along with the thousands of others that are in the book, but those 11 we felt were really helpful for us as believers, and trust that they will carry us into the new year just filled with uh, all that desire to live out the word in our life. Now, this morning we're beginning the countdown toward our new church year. For those of you maybe visiting with us, you've got to know we're a little weird bunch here. Some churches don't believe you ought to have any membership at all. Just let all the folks come in. They're an, congregate, they're an audience, is what they are. Membership's a wonderful thing. Membership is an opportunity for people to say, Count me in. How many in here are glad they got married? Yeah. Boy, I tell you, how many of you guys just took a shot to the ribs? (laughs) What marriage is, is it takes two people who love one another, two people who have been growing together as as a couple, and they say, count me in. The guy says, I do. The woman says, I do. Count me in. So we believe. It's a wonderful thing for a congregation of believers to have regular moments where each of them can say, with regard to this fellowship, this little body of Christ here in this place in Apple Valley, that you can count me in. I'm counting myself in. And so we believe in a one-year renewable church membership. And that comes around for us every year in the spring. February, the first Sunday in February, we have a sign-up sheet just like a charter membership, like it's the first time we've ever done it. And for the year 2023, it'll be the first time we've ever done it. And we walk this aisle on that morning as part of that worship service and sign our names to a declaration that says we truly are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's printed in your bulletin today, that statement. We've used it for 28 years. One by one by one by one. And so we're on a countdown toward that Sunday. Commitment Sunday, sign-up Sunday. All through the month, people can make that commitment. And the first Sunday in March, then we announce and we present to the Lord the brand new Sun Life Community Church Congregation for the year 2023. So we're on a countdown toward that. And I say all that to let you know that This little series of messages that we're beginning today relates toward that. It's a series called People to Live With. Words to live by, people to live with. Now that ought to stick in our minds for a little bit. Here's our series key scripture. Paul was writing to the local church in Corinth and in his first letter to them, First Corinthians twelve twenty seven, he says this, speaking to them. Imagine, this is him speaking to us this morning. You are the body of church, the body of Christ, Sun Life Community Church in this case. You are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. So, when we are part of a local fellowship, when we say, count me in, this is my home family, my spiritual family, this is where I believe God wants me to be, you can look around, especially if you're newer, and say, who are these people? Series <laughs> key question for these messages is that, who are they? These people who make up my church. So the series' key answer to that question is they are, are people. huh? It'll become apparent in a moment. So here's the first category of R people, letter R, people. That's what I'm saying makes up Sun Life Community Church. So here we go. Here's the first thing we can say about them. The people who make up Sun Life Community Church are reborn people. So you kind of think every week we're going to have an R word that describes the people that make up this fellowship. Well, you're right. <laughs> the people who make up Sun Life Community Church are reborn people. Now, I want us to talk about that a little bit this morning. It's certainly the most fundamental thing that we can say, that I can say as pastor of this church about us. Now, here's the scripture where that identification is found, and notice that the letters of it are printed in red. Today's key scripture, John 3, and then parts of verse 3, verse 6, verse 7, put together here. Jesus is speaking, and he says, no one can see. That means no one can enter or become part of the kingdom of God, the church, the body of Christ, unless... So here comes a condition. No one can see, no one can enter into, be part of the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And then Jesus says, now flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Well, I'll tell you, the people who heard him say that were surprised. They were astonished. They were overwhelmed. And and let me ask, do you know, I know we can suspect, that many people today would be surprised if and are surprised when someone actually says those words right out loud. I've been born again. Or ask them, have you been born again? Jesus says, you have to be. You have to be if you want to get into the kingdom of God into a relationship with God that lasts for all eternity I believe there's probably people being surprised right now all around the world as they tune in our live stream broadcast Now that's just my imaginations but I know there's about six or seven of you out there you see but even as it goes out through our live stream broadcast that stays somewhere forever. But I'm just saying right now, my words are kind of immortalized. Who knows who may pick them up 50 years from now somewhere. But you see, people basically do not want to be told that there is something that they must do or something that must happen to them if they would enter into heaven at the end of their life or if they would become identified with a local Christian church. Surprise, indeed. Surprise and even shock would be the reaction of many. So, this morning, let's leave no more doubt about it than Jesus himself did when he spoke those red-letter words I read a moment ago. Let's take those words that Jesus himself said, let's frame them, And let's hang them, as it were, on the walls of our heart. Let's format them this morning this way, as today's shocking key concept. This would be shocking to many in our world today to hear. Here it is. Spiritual birth is essential for membership in the body of believers that Jesus Christ is raising up in this world, And it's essential, ultimately, for admission into heaven itself. Now, for many, for many in our all-inclusive society today, those are not only shocking words. They are, to them, repulsive words, disgusting words, hateful words, disrespectful words. Those are words they would say, rightly, that divide us, that cause judgments to be made by us and about us. And yet, Jesus is him, Himself is the one who laid the foundation for them and who would agree 100% with them. Spiritual birth is essential. For membership in the body of believers that Jesus Christ is raising up in this world and is essential ultimately for admission into heaven itself. So in case we've already forgotten our main point, or if you tuned in late, here again is what Jesus said. No one, no one. How many of you are part of the no one crew? No one in here is? See, no one, all humanity, everyone, every living, breathing person, Jesus says, no one can see, that is, enter or become part of the kingdom of God, the church, the body of Christ, unless he or she is born again. And so there it is. Using Jesus' own brightly printed red letters Jesus Christ came to earth to build boy this sounds like a dirty word to build a most exclusive fellowship. In another place he pointed out that only a few would actually wind up belonging to it. He said that any who would get in would have to be fundamentally changed before the doors would be opened to them. Jesus said that. To the people of his day, mostly good Jewish people who had spent their whole lives praying to God, believing the Old Testament scriptures, listening to the words of the prophet, and Jesus says, this new thing, though, has to happen. And so the strategic question for us, as we encounter a, a possibly hostile audience is this and why do we you could say or why would we say that why would we come right out why did jesus come right out and say nobody can get in unless they're born again no one can see the kingdom of god no one can enter into it nobody can enjoy the blessings of it and as jesus then left his uh, disciples there to build a church in his name to say and nobody can be part of that either unless they are whatever he meant by saying, born again. And so here we are, almost 2,000 years later, and if we're true to the scripture, we find ourselves saying that ourselves, though it's probably being said a whole lot less and less in public than it used to be. When I was a teenager, I was part of a group called Youth for Christ, and we were taught how to witness for our faith in our public high school. We were taught to carry our Bibles to school right on the top of our, our other books and possibly carry the bright red Youth for Christ New Testament. So it couldn't be missed. Couldn't just walk away, walk around all day with your little bright red New Testament in your lunch bag. And so we could ask anybody in our classmates. In fact, we were encouraged to start a conversation. You know, have you been born again? Do you know what it means to be born again? These were phrases that were used a lot, but I doubt there's many times today those words are repeated in, a, in such a setting. So do we repeat them? Do we believe them? Do we understand them? Or is that just part of an archaic kind of... A, Oh, D.L. Moody, Billy Sunday, Billy Graham kind of a situation. Why did Jesus say this? Well, when somebody asks us why we say this, when we do, and why Jesus said this, as they can easily find out he did, we need to be ready with a solid biblical answer. Why? Why? Why must a human being be spiritually changed, spiritually reborn, if he is going to participate in and benefit from anything to do with God? Why is that? Well, this morning I want to share just two, what I would consider to be solid biblical answers, why we, and Jesus, could, would, and did say such a thing. So here's the first one. Reason one, we say such a thing, we say it, I say it as the pastor of this church, I believe any member of this church can say this, and untold believers through the world should be saying this, we say such a thing because, because men have fallen into sin. A long, long time ago, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, the head of the human race fell into sin, into a time of rebellion, a decision to do things differently than the way God said they should be done. And that, that independent spirit that is at the heart of sin and heart of the human flesh, and that indulgent spirit that says, I'm going to do what pleases me no matter what I've been told, that spirit was born. And men have fallen into sin. the entire human race has followed along in that way. There's nothing truly good in them. My wife occasionally watches Dateline. It's amazing how many people, especially how many young women, are the focus of a Dateline story. A young woman who's been murdered. Now you're trying to find out who did it, why they did it. And inevitably, even though she had attended five bars that night and was out on the street, barely able to see where she's going by three in the morning, and somebody picked her up, and as the story unfolds, you you find out that's what took place in the hours before she was killed. Inevitably, there's a mother, there's a friend, there's a brother, there's a whole host of people who say, but I tell you, she was a good person. You want to say, how do you define that? Does good mean living a good life? Living a pure life? Living a sensible life? Living a, a, a reasonable life? Well, the Bible just says, hey, drop that word. There is no human being that is truly good. There's nothing truly good in human beings in and of themselves. They are not qualified for heaven. They are not suited for the Church of Jesus Christ. Now that's a statement that has a lot of implication for the way churches have presented themselves for the last maybe 50, 60 years. They are not suited for the Church of Jesus Christ. Now that's a fundamentally sound biblical statement, though it runs contrary to the most common profession made by many Americans, for one thing, that Men, people are basically good. We've had presidents. We've had presidents that I believe are godly presidents. Presidents who trust in Christ, but who have made the statements as a political position and, and perspective to just say, well, you know, I, I just got to believe that, that almost all Americans are basically good. Well, see, that's scripturally wrong. The Bible says no one is basically good. And there are churches by the thousands. I'd have to say, honestly, so-called churches by the thousands that profess that very same thing. You're all basically good people. What we got to do is just get you to be your goodest. There's a little flame of goodness inside of you that you were born with. we got to we got to f- just encourage that flame until that it's really the dominant part of you. Every man has a spark of divinity within. him. Not so, according to the Bible. But there are thousands of churches who take that approach when they see somebody come through the door. There's basically a, a good person. A person that just needs to be encouraged to be what he already is and to be good at it. to bring out the best in him you see for churches who say or act like people are just basically good and we're working on making them a little better if we can they are not places where anyone is clearly seeing or entering the kingdom of God Now, wait a minute. Did I just say that right out loud? Were we still streaming? Yes, I did. Here's what the Bible says. The Apostle Paul proclaimed it in his epistle to the Romans, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. He said, for all. Let me try this again. How many of you are part of the all? Good, good. We're making progress here. Not so much the no one, but the all, the all we got. Y'all, maybe some of you are from down south, right, Ron? Where y'all is a very familiar identification. So Paul starts this way. All, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory, which really means the standards and the nature of God himself. All are in that condition. And then years earlier, the psalmist David made this observation, which the apostle Paul passed along in that same epistle. In chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says, There is no one who does good, let alone is good. Not even one. Now, David had first written that in Psalm 14, verse 3, and and Paul just passed it along in his letter to the Corinthians. That's the problem with man. The entrance requirements to get into the kingdom of God is very high and man's spiritual aptitude is very low. There is nothing about man in his normal natural condition that would open heaven's doors to him. In addition, Man's resume, the things he's actually done, is despicable and repulsive to a holy, righteous God. His behavior, in addition to his basic condition, his behavior absolutely disqualifies him for heaven. Now that, that fact, that biblically supported fact, is the first reason why we say, as Jesus said... And here I'll amplify and paraphrase Jesus' words a little bit. Jesus said, man needs a complete makeover. Man needs that if he is going to ever enjoy a relationship with the Holy God, either in this life or in the life to come. That's why Jesus said that. Because man's a mess. Human beings have fallen into a sinful condition that permeates every part of them and defines who they are so that from birth onward, they're in trouble before a holy God. If it ever came for them to be evaluated by that holy God, something must happen to them if they're going to get into that place where a holy God dwells and where eternal delights are found. They must be changed. Jesus said they must be born again. Now here's a second reason. Straight from the Bible and again from the mouth of Jesus himself. It's why we say that being born again is absolutely essential if human beings would ever enter into heaven. Here we go. Reason two. We say such a thing because their minds, that is the human being, man's mind, people, Because their minds cannot receive. Nor will their hearts, or excuse me, their minds cannot perceive. Can't understand it, can't take it in. Their minds cannot perceive and their hearts will not receive the truths of God. Remember how Jesus put it? John 3, 6, he said, flesh gives birth to flesh. Flesh means man's natural condition. He's in the flesh. He's human. He's in the condition he's in. He's lost in sin. He's corrupted in so many ways. And when human corrupted people give birth to new people, those new people are just like the former people. They're human beings who are caught in sin. They are human beings who cannot understand and cannot and will not yield themselves to anyone other than themselves. Babies know that from the beginning. They're just honest about it. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. It's time to eat and I'm going to scream (laughs) until you do something about it. A mother looking at a beautiful child never says, what a sinner. (laughs) But that's the way sin works, though. How about when you're 25 and you're screaming, (laughs) demanding your own way, and not not yielding yourself to any larger situation? Ah, we can recognize it then. But Jesus says that what's happening. Flesh gives birth to flesh. That's all it can give birth to. And now we've already seen that man's natural, that is his fleshly condition, presents a major spiritual problem. His behavior is sinful because he himself is fallen and broken, and that brokenness is profound. So here again is the Apostle Paul shedding some inspired light on the subject. Romans 3.11, he says, there's no one who understands has anybody ever called you a dummy? (laughs) And did you ever in response say, you're right. You're right. When it comes to spiritual truth, we are all dummies. And the sooner we recognize that, but it actually takes the work of God in our life for us to recognize that little bit. There is no one who understands, and therefore there is no one who seeks after God. Everyone in the world, the way they're born and as they grow, everyone in the world is in the dark concerning concerning spiritual things and they consider it to be normal and natural. This is just the way it is. Paul then wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14, he says now the man without the spirit that is the man who has not had any rebirth, he's just your good old ordinary basic natural man. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Have you ever tried to share your Christian faith with somebody who just absolutely blew you off? I don't believe that stuff. I don't see how anybody with a bit of intelligence can believe it, can read the Bible and believe that, believe there's a God who created everything. Science has already settled that issue for us the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned unless you have a spiritual uh, connection you can't understand this stuff because that's what it takes to understand it now that's a bad condition to be in that's like being handed a final exam paper That relates to a subject that you have never studied and that you couldn't care less about a failing grade surely awaits now all of us were at one time in that condition spiritually every one of us in this room that's the way we were born that's the way we started to develop ourselves as young human beings some of you have made it all the way to this day and you're still in that condition some of your loved ones some of your your best friends your family are in that condition even though they're a long long way from their birth day you see we were bound up in sin all of us at one point were guilty before God none of us had any spiritual life in us, and we were completely separated from Christ, and we lived our lives in spiritual darkness. Amen? Anybody remember those days? And then something happened. And then something happened, which had a lot to do with why you're sitting in this room this morning. To use Jesus' words... We were born again. The very thing that Jesus said must happen in order for us to get into a relationship with God and to ultimately have heaven open its doors to us, the very thing he said needed to happen actually happened in our lives. We were born again. Spiritual life came into us. Happened to me when I was only nine years old my track record wasn't too bad. Hadn't murdered anybody, hadn't robbed a bank yet, had done things I didn't want anybody to find out about, except my mother made it very clear to me that God knows everything. He puts a little mark right in his bookmark, a little black mark right beside your name and And I don't know if my mind was open enough to receive that spiritual truth or just know that my mother (laughs) believes some weird stuff. Just in case she's right, I'll not mess up in front of her anymore. When I was nine, I was born again. I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. And you know why I received Jesus Christ as my Savior? Not because it seemed like a good thing to do. I didn't receive Jesus Christ as my Savior so I could be born again. By God's marvelous grace, he brought spiritual life to me before I was even aware of it, and he put me in a place where a gospel message was being preached, and for the first time, my feeble brain could wrap itself around that truth, and it's like, man, I need that. The spiritual life came before the decision in life took place. And Jesus says, unless that happens, everybody just continues on the way they are. See, that's the good news of the gospel. New birth has been made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that new birth brings spiritual life. And that spiritual life shows itself in a multitude of ways. A multitude of ways. The Apostle Paul, using his own experience as an example, he shared this truth with the believers in the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 5.17. He said, if anyone is in Christ, if any one of you has been spiritually born, Paul's phrase was, you've been placed in, you've been connected to Jesus himself as your Savior. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That's, that's what the new birth does. And that's a description of the new life it brings. Like I said, there had never been a more dramatic example of that than Paul himself. I mean, Paul hated Jesus Christ. Paul persecuted the followers of Jesus Christ. Paul participated in the murder of one of the leading people in the early church in Jerusalem. Paul could not wrap his great mind around the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus did. Paul was in the flesh. And then, and then one day without Paul anticipating, without Paul asking for it, without Paul saying, "Boy, I really need to get my life together. One day it happened. The Spirit of God brought new birth to Paul and introduced him in a powerful, dramatic way to the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. But heading down the road that day, Paul didn't expect this to happen. He didn't ask for it to happen. He was completely caught off guard and overwhelmed by it. But he was totally changed because of it. His mind was open to understand spiritual truth, his heart was thrilled to hear it, and his will was completely energized to receive it. He became a follower of Jesus. He became a member of Christ's church. He became a preacher of Christ's cause and, or Christ's gospel, and he ultimately became a martyr to Christ's cause. His eyes were open, as Jesus said, to see the kingdom. And a place in heaven itself was set aside for him. I happily declare this morning, having watched over you people for a while, I happily declare this morning that Sun Life Community Church, these people we live with here, especially on a Sunday morning, in our small groups during the week, and maybe we run into each other in the store, and you know, I just believe contrary to some other churches and other places and things I've been aware of when there are many many believers many many people part of churches that if they're going through the grocery store and they see somebody else from their church at the end of the end of the aisle they they zip to the next aisle. And say, hope hope she didn't see me I tell you she is such a case she is such a problem oh there's the pastor I don't want him looking in my cart I believe you people, if you see one of your uh, cell mates from your cell group, if you see somebody from the congregation, especially if they sit on the same side of the church you sit on, and maybe in the same general section where you sit, you see them at the store, and if you've got the time, you run them down, and they don't run from you, do they? Oh, hey, great. Oh, my, look at the time. See? I declare this morning, Sun Life Community Church, these people we live with are reborn people. That's who we're looking at when we look around here. That's who they're looking at when they look at you, aren't they? We are people to whom the Spirit of God has given new birth and new life. We belong to the body of Christ here in this place. Now, four weeks from today... We're going to have an opportunity to walk this aisle and declare ourselves once again to be part of such people. And we will publicly commit ourselves to live out our new life, which is being produced by that born-again spirit put within us, live out our new life in this particular fellowship for the year ahead. And it's going to be an awesome day, just like the previous 28 of them have been. I just say, do you plan to take part? It's only the first Sunday of February where we do that. Our membership is open. Anybody can sign the, the roster for the whole month of February. But only on the first Sunday in February do we actually physically walk this aisle shoulder to shoulder with those we know and love and, and maybe besides some that we're, we're just needing to get to know and love. Old people, young people, shoulder to shoulder and signing the very same statement of commitment to jesus christ and to the word of god and to the fellowship of saints here in this place that uh, is before us we get to do that every single year if you're here there's the opportunity to go on record how many christians ever get a chance after they've been saved and maybe after they've been baptized do they get a chance to publicly say, count me in, I believe in Jesus Christ as my savior. I am placing my trust in him this very moment. It's an awesome experience. Tears flow. Even people who have been involved in it numerous times to say nothing of the people who are involved with it for the very first time and saying, I am going on public record as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a believer, in the word of God, as one who's yielded to the Holy Spirit, it's a a marvelous thing. The people of this church get to experience that and demonstrate by doing so to the degree that it can be demonstrated that they have been reborn. And that's why their mind thinks like this. And that's why their heart feels like this. And that's why their will is being activated to do this very thing. Because they they've been reborn now as we come to the close of this message see I told you the clock has been in the glare of the light ah I see it very fast I do this very fast because I know this might be a question on some of your hearts and minds and if it is it's an agonizing one how do I know how do I know if I've been born again? 50 years ago, I would have had a much easier, simpler, straightforward answer to that question. I would just say, have you ever gone forward at the end of the service when you raised your hand and the preacher called you forward? Did you follow a prayer that he prayed? And and, and when he told you you're now born again, you said, whew, I'm glad. Have you ever done that? Well, yeah, I have. Um, Then don't doubt it. Have you ever done that? No, I haven't. Pastor Mark, how come you don't give us that chance every single Sunday? Well, in a way, I do. Our Garden of Prayer, how many people have made connection, possibly for the first time, laying their whole heart and life before the Almighty God when they stand here, (laughs) yielding themselves to Him. In communion, we give that opportunity. But, but, even those who have had such an experience... There's an awful lot of them that aren't in church anymore. There's an awful lot that say, well, I grew out of that. Were they really born again, or did they just go through an exercise? You see, here's the thing. Being born again is a matter of the heart. I can't see your heart any more than you can see mine. But let me start by answering, maybe helping to answer this question in the affirmative for you. How do I know if I've been born again? Well, right off the bat, let me just say this. I kind of alluded to it earlier. The very fact that you are in this place right now and are enjoying it and find fellowship with the folks who are here and you find yourself agreeing with the things I say and with the things I pray, that's a pretty good indication that you are. Why else would you be here in such a place if you weren't one of Christ? Why else would you be here in such a place engaging in the things we do if you are in fact engaging with them and enjoying them and finding them speak to your, speaking to your heart? Why would you be here if you hadn't been spiritually changed by the power of God? Because there's millions of people right in this general area, let's say 100 miles, that aren't here, and wouldn't be caught dead here. But let me ask a few others. Here we go. Each of these questions might be a bit of an indicator. I'll just go through them closely. And if we get all to the end, and and you say, man, I just don't know. Well, let's get face to face and talk about your, your spiritual condition. But here's the first one. Has your mind been enabled to understand the basic truths about Jesus? the basic truths about Jesus Christ, that he's the eternal son of God, that he came from heaven to earth, that he lived a perfect life, that he laid down that life on the cross for the sins of mankind of which your sins were included, and then he rose from the dead victoriously, demonstrating that God had allowed him to conquer death and overcome the punishment for sin. Has your mind been enabled to understand those things. You see, the minds of natural men haven't been. The minds of born-again people are and have. Has your heart been drawn toward Jesus and toward the one we call Heavenly Father? The hearts of men don't naturally do that. The hearts of born-again people do. Has your life been changed since your mind began to understand and your heart began to be drawn in love toward the Lord Jesus? Has your life in any way been altered or changed? The lives and spiritual perspectives of natural men remain forever the same. The lives of born-again people begin to change. Have you become aware of your own sinfulness and of your need of forgiveness? The natural man doesn't become aware of such things or respond in such ways. Born-again people do. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he rose from the grave and overcame both sin and death for you? Have you bowed yourself spiritually before him and given yourself to him? Have you asked God the Father to forgive you for your sins? The natural man, of course, does not believe such things or respond in such ways. Born again people do. Do you have a desire to follow the Lord Jesus in baptism and receive the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit? No natural man does, but born-again people, once they're told about it, desire to. Are you thoroughly content to be in this fellowship and to participate fully in the life and fellowship and worship of Sun Life Community Church? No natural man is. people that the Spirit of God has not altered in any way, people who are just died in the bull, fallen people, human beings who are just living for self, they walk into this room and can't get away fast enough. Because the truth of God challenges so much of who they are and what they are and why they are. There's nothing here just to make a normal, ordinary human being feel good and happy. That's not our desire. Who would want to make a sinner comfortable? Who would want to make a person lost in sin just relax and feel great and just provide what that person might feel a little better with? Go home feeling a little happier. Go home feeling a little what? While heaven's doors are still shut to him. And so I ask, are you thoroughly content to be in this fellowship and to participate fully in the life and worship of Sun Life Community Church? No natural man is, but many, many born again people are. So just going through that list of kind of practical things, don't raise your hand, don't, but just within your heart right now. Are you one of Christ's born again people? Have you sensed the Spirit of God somewhere in the past? Maybe even some of you started coming to this church because the Holy Spirit had already put a a smidgen of spiritual life in you. And when you walked through the door, you said, this is what I need. This is what I want. And gradually the fuller story came until you confessed Christ as your Savior. Maybe the first time you even took communion, you said, oh, Lord Jesus I receive you as my Savior. I know you died for me, and this, the blood you shed forgives me, covers my sin. Oh, Lord Jesus, I receive you. There are times in communion I ask you to do that, to take that approach, to understand it that way. You see, these are, these are the things, of course, I want you to know. I want you to know that, that the Spirit of God has entered into your life. He's changed you, and he's working with you, And you were one of his, and to know that, John says in his letter, I've written all these things. I could say, I've said all these things this morning, so that you may know that you have eternal life. There's no better knowledge to have. If we've gone through all this today and you're you're still not sure, but you're you want to be, well let's get face to face. You call me, we'll sit down, we'll talk, we'll go through these very same questions and I'd like to hear your answers you and to them. And then what happens, and for many of you already, the Bible says the Spirit of God testifies with our own spirit that we are God's children. You know you are. If these things are true of you, rejoice in it Say, I'm part of a body of reborn people, and I'm delighted in it. And so our final thought says this. I've said it a dozen ways today. Spiritual birth is a work of the Spirit of God. It happens before we go seeking it. It happens. There's a change that, by God's grace, we're made able to understand And then there's an attractiveness to the truth of God that that just captures us. And then when we realize there's a, a decision we need to make to count me in, to give our lives to Christ, there's a will in us that says, yes, that's exactly what I need and what I want. And all of it's because the Almighty God And the Holy Spirit of God who loves you, who knows you, who cares for you, who provided salvation, the means of salvation for you, he has has worked a miraculous work in you. It's a profound one. It's permanent. It enlightens the mind. It excites the heart. It energizes the will. And I believe with all my heart that Sun Life Community Church is composed of reborn people. People to live with. (laughs) Heavenly Father, it's a delight to live in your family. It's a delight to rub shoulders with your people. We're not saying everybody in here is perfect. How boring would that be? But Father, everyone that I know of that I've gotten to talk to, that I've related to, that I know is, is giving themselves to and is part of the truths of God that we share here. I am convinced that these are born-again people. Your spirit has changed them from what they once were. Your spirit has renewed them, interested them, almost compelled them to wrap their arms around the Lord Jesus Christ. And we praise you for that. These are people indeed we can live with and live with exuberantly and joyfully and thankfully. Bless them all, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.